Hello, my friends, my listeners, you people who refuse to stop searching for the truth. Without you, I'm convinced the world will just succumb into darkness. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep searching for the truth. Without it, we would be drowning in a sea of lies. And above all, keep listening. And welcome to another podcast. Right, so first off the bat, uh, got sent a voice message from a guy called Mark Watkinson. Thanks, buddy. That really cheered me up, that message. So, cheers, Mark, and hope to speak to you soon, mate. Right, listen up. In today's episode, we're going to take a look at the education system, how it evolved, how it works, and... A look at why some scholars believe a more sinister agenda is at play. Some believe that mandatory public education has become a tool for the governments of the world and the education authorities, which advise governments to influence and manipulate the opinions of the youth. How accurate do these claims seem to be? Is government involvement just a flawed attempt to achieving a worthy goal? And what role does government's education play in influencing the minds of our youth? To answer these questions, we have to go back right to the beginning, all the way back to the origins of education. The compulsory school model that gradually spread all around the world was largely based on the Prussian model of education, which was established way back in 1763. Now, much has been written about the Prussian model, with many referring to it as the factory model or the industrial model. In more recent years, some scholars and historians have pushed back on the idea that the Prussian model was designed to produce obedient workers. So what's the truth? First of all, it's important to know that the Prussian education model was funded by taxes, public taxes. Some researchers describe early schooling as free public goods, but the reality is that public taxes funded these mandatory schools. The idea that the Prussian system was about maintaining state, uh, state control over education and thus the people was affirmed when King Frederick of the Prussian Empire issued another ruling in 1794. This ruling declared schools and universities are state institutions charged with the instruction of the youth. Schools may be uh, founded only with knowledge and consent of the state. It is the duty of the school inspectors to see that all children of compulsory school age are kept in school, if necessary by force and by punishments of negligent parents. Horace Mann, sometimes known as the father of American public schooling, was a strong lobbyist for the Prussian model of education. While still acknowledging that the system had its critics, he wrote in 1843, 
Numerous tracts were issued from the English press, strongly denouncing the whole plan of education in Prussia as being not only designed to produce, but as actually producing a spirit of blind acquiescence to arbitrary power in things spiritual as well as temporal, as being in fine a system of education adapted to enslave and not to enfranchise the human mind. <clears throat> as the Prussian model solidified, so did international interest in the system. Educational philosophers were intrigued and started lobbying for a similar system across Europe and the US. In America, Massachusetts was the first state to institute a mandatory education policy back in uh, 1852, I think it was. And by the year 1918, every other state had passed a similar leg uh, legislation. It was during this time that seeds were planted that would later grow to become the modern centre known as public schools. The education system was eyed by powerful men of the age, men that wanted to extend their power and influence over nations. And what better way than to start with a fresh mind? The minds of the youth were ready to be manipulated and educated. Enter John D. Rockefeller Sr. He was one of the most hated and wealthiest men alive. Rockefeller owned the Standard Oil Company and a monopoly involved in everything associated with the oil industry, from drilling to transportation. This allowed him to accumulate enough wealth to influence many institutions, including America's educational system. In 1902, Rockefeller Sr. founded the General Education Board with an initial initial donation of one million dollars that was a hell of a lot of a money uh, money back uh, in 1902 i tell you <clears throat> right now rockefeller he partnered up with uh frederick t gates to do this with the stated objective to support higher education in medical schools in the united states the general education board was also interested in the promotion of farming in the southern states and schools uh, for African-Americans. By January 1903, the US Congress officially incorporated the General Education Board with their mission being the promotion of education throughout the US without distinction as to race, sex or creed. The General Education Board Charter was supported by a bill from Senator Nelson W. Alderidge from Rhode Island now, coincidentally, Senator Aldridge's daughter, Abby Aldridge, was married to J.D. Rockefeller Jr. Senator Aldridge would also prove instrumental in the creation of the Federal Reserve Act of 1913. It does seem that the Rockefeller family used marriage to extend <clears throat> their power and influence over the nation. The Rockefeller family would ultimately give over $180 million to fund the board. The board's founding was preceded by several early educational organisations and private meetings between John D. Rockefeller Jr. and other influential people of the time. This leads me to ponder, was this the seed being planted for the Bilderberg Group? 
One of the men in attendance was Daniel Gilman. Gilman would become a member of the General Education Board and was also the co-founder of the Russell Trust Association, which is the business name for the Skull and Bones Secret Society operating out of Yale University. After 50 years of existence, the General Education Board ceased operating under that, uh, under that name and was absorbed into the Rockefeller Foundation. The Rockefellers weren't the only wealthy family interested in bankrolling education. In 1905, the infamous steel magnate Andrew Carnegie founded the Carnegie Foundation for the Advancement of Teaching. Carnegie and Rockefeller were both eager to transform their images from that of rich, out-of-touch rubber barons to kind and generous wealthy gentlemen who actually cared about the poor. To achieve this, they created various foundations to spread their vast wealth and influence. So the Prussian model of education promoted by both men's organisations was the perfect tool to indoctrinate the masses with their message of choice, embedding within the structure of public education itself. Their private ideologies on the appropriate learning material and the structure for the nation's youth. <clears throat> now in 1918, Professor Thomas Alexander said the following after researching the Prussian model. We believe, however, that a careful study of the Prussian school system will convince any unbiased reader that the Prussian citizen cannot be free to do and act for himself. That the Prussian, to a large measure, enslaved through the medium of his school. That his learning, instead of making him his own master, forges the chains by which he is held in servitude. That the whole scheme of, Prussia, of the Prussian elementary education is shaped with the express purpose of making 95 out of every 100 citizens subservient to the ruling house and to the state. The elementary schools in Prussia have been fashioned as to make spiritual and intellectual slaves of the lower classes. Even more unnerving are the words of Frederick T. Gates, who was business advisor to John D. Rockefeller Sr., who helped him found the General Education Board. Now he said, <clears throat> in our dream, we have limitless resources and the people yield themselves with perfect docility to our moulding hands. The present educational conventions fade from our minds and unhampered by tradition. We work our own goodwill upon a grateful and responsive rural folk. We shall not try to make these people or any of their children philosophers or men of learning or science. We are not to raise up from among, their, or, uh, among them authors, orators, poets or men of letters. We shall not search for great artists, painters or musicians, nor will we cherish even the humbler ambition to raise up from among, their, uh, among them lawyers, doctors, preachers, politicians, statesmen, of whom we now have ample supply. Blimey. 
It's historical statements like this that just add to the consensus that these robber barons had almost every institution in the land right in the back pocket, ready to bend their will of anyone who questions their motives. Now Gates goes on to say, for the task that we set before ourselves is a very simple as well as a very beautiful one, to train these people as we find them for a perfectly ideal life just where they are. This meaning, keep the poor poor with minimal education, turning them into slaves of the state, taxpayers with minimal opportunity. The concerns about the Prussian model of education continue today. Uh, there's an author, uh, Charlotte Eisenbeitz, I think her name was. She authored The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America. And a, she was a freelance writer and a former senior policy advisor to the US Department of Education. In her book, she alleges that changes gradually brought into the American public educational system work to eliminate the influences of a child's parents and mould the child to be an obedient follower of the state. She believes these changes originated from plans formulated primarily by the Andrew Carnegie Foundation for the Advancement of Education and the Rockefeller Foundation, uh, the General Education Board. Another critic of the US public school system is John Taylor Gatto, former award-winning New York City school teacher and author of Dumbing Us Down, The Hidden Curriculum of Compulsory Schooling and the underground history of American education. <clears throat> Seems quite a clever man, this Gatto. Now, Gatto was, uh, was a vocal opponent to the mandatory schooling following his career as a teacher until his death back in 2018. Gatto's main thesis claims that the school system confuses the, the students. Too fucking right, it does. You remember being back at school, you didn't know what the fuck was what, did you? Because these dumbass teachers, my apologies, not dumbass teachers, the dumbass system keeps them dumb, basically. He says that the, the model school system presents an incoherent and ensemble of information that, to, that the child needs to memorise to stay in school rather than teaching critical thinking. He also claims school, uh, schools make children emotionally and intellectually dependent. In his book, uh, Underground History, he says, what I'm trying to describe is that what has happened to our schools was inherent in the original design for a planned economy and a planned society laid down so proudly at the end of the 19th century. He also claims that child obesity can be traced to the training ground of the school cafeteria. Unfortunately, the dangers of the public schooling system go beyond the attempt to mould the minds of the youth. The public schooling systems in the US and indeed around the world have been infiltrated by intelligence agencies desperate to recruit the brightest minds of the future. These agencies include MI5, MI6, the CIA and the FBI and others from around the world. In the book, uh, Spy Schools, 
how the CIA, FBI and foreign intelligences secretly exploit America's universities. Investigative journalist Daniel Golden details the exploitation relationship between higher education and intelligence services, both foreign and domestic. Golden uh, examined various case studies illustrating how the CIA and the FBI use higher education to their advantage. When you understand the involvement of mod, uh, modern education, it becomes clear that the compulsory education system, whether in the US or the UK or anywhere in Europe, is a great tool for influencing, manipulating and recruiting the minds of the youth. Even if we ignore the obvious influence of the Prussian model, it's plain to see that the foundations and institutions which fund public education are clearly aware of the opportunity to inject their agendas and values into higher learning. Not only are children sent away from their parents for around eight hours a day for 12 or more years of their lives, it happens at a time in their lives Hang on a sec. Sorry about that. I had a bit of a coughing spit. Right, here we go. I'll start that paragraph again. So not only are children sent away from their parents for around eight hours a day, for 12 or more years of their lives, it happens at a time when they are often at their most impressionable and trusting of all adults around them. Rarely does a child come across a teacher that promotes critical thinking and individuality. The average teacher in the modern education system simply teaches the curriculum of the state, the state approved curriculum. Now, if an ambitious teacher dare stray away from the pre-approved content, they may find themselves out of a job. It's important to note that when children and young adults are subjected to the government's version of history, health, politics and philosophy, Limitations are often subconsciously and covertly placed upon their minds. Our children are taught the government's version of history, which typically paints the current powers to be as the good guys in any conflict. It establishes the approved version of history, healthcare, and creates parameters for acceptable political and philo uh, philosophical dialogue. It seems we need to break free from the centralised state mandated model of education. Now, the beauty of the digital age, the age of the Internet of Things, is that it has opened endless opportunities for learning. Not only is the Internet available as a resource for the intrepid and determined students, but lots of free educational programmes have opened up for anyone wanting more education or for those who just wish to break free from the Prussian model. More importantly, in our modern times, it's crystal clear we cannot let the Internet of Things be regulated by the powers that be, who would have total control over not only our education, but over the, every aspect of our lives. And you only have to look at how all governments have acted these last two years to realise this would be the end of modern civilization as we know it. Some parents have just had enough with state education and are removing their children altogether with more homeschooling their kids.
These parents seek to provide an education for their children while not subjecting them to state propaganda. We as a collective need to have an independence and a decentralisation to help free the young from education systems designed to limit their education. The minds of our young are one of the most valuable resources on the planet, people. Heads of government and so-called philanthropists have recognised this for centuries. Protecting and compassionately guiding these minds should be of the utmost importance to everyone. If parents and mentors do not take an active role in contributing to the education of our youth, it will only be a matter of time before other influences joyfully take the opportunity. 99 students out of 100 are automata. Careful to walk in prescribed paths. Careful to follow the prescribed custom. This is not an accident, but the result of a substantial education, which scientifically defined is the sub sub uh, sub assumption of the individual our whole education system fools us all to believe we all have as much opportunity as the the elites in our lives starting with education but we have come to the realization that this is definitely not the case until next time toodle fucking do